0: Let's start with a nice positive story A nice positive note Uh, I noticed the Linux uh, Foundation posted this up over at Linux.com About an 84 year old volunteer who's never worked in IT uh, But uh, he he spends his free time rebuilding laptops Loading them with different versions of Linux And then shipping them off to different areas in Africa Uh, It's with an initiative called Free Geek And the Linux Foundation made a
1: video of it So let's watch it, I think this is pretty cool I'm uh, James Anderson. I'm 84 years old. Through the years I've always done repair work. I've enjoyed just taking things apart and seeing how they work. That goes way back to childhood when I uh, took apart an an electric plug in in my grandmother's uh, floor lamp and uh, promptly blew out all the fuses. I'd had a computer since the days that what we call then uh, transportable computers, a uh, luggable computer, weighed really as much as my wife's sewing machine that I carried around. So I've, I've had owned a computer since probably the mid-1980s, and I've always been interested, used them, although i have never been a, um, you know, an IT. person at all, never had any training in it. I work at Free Geek. I learned about Free Geek from my uh, friend Bob, who was a neighbor. I had just returned from um, uh, working for 13 weeks in Zimbabwe. I saw the need for computers among young people who were studying and who uh, seemed deprived to me of the opportunities that computers offered them. So when I heard about Free Geek and its program of uh, receiving donations of used computers and the possibility that through rebuilding them I might be able to um, provide computers to some of those young people. After a couple of years here, I moved into rebuilding laptops, and since I've been rebuilding laptops, we've sent well over 100 laptops to various uh, African nations and uh, to be used in uh, schools and by non-profit organizations. FreeGate makes a huge point of, of being open source. So every PC computer here goes out with Linux-based, that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of... This is just one room with, with uh, our laptops waiting to be, uh, to be repaired. All of these that are working will go out with Linux-based operating systems. My continuing goal in being at Freegate is to provide the laptops for Africa and the kind of problem-solving that's involved. You've you've run into an issue with a computer, and I find it very rewarding to solve that problem. I like the tinkering, but above all, I just simply enjoy the community. It's an unusual place, and the results are very rewarding. So as long as I'm able, well, I think I will be here on Fridays, uh, as long as they'll let me, and I have no indication that they won't.
0: That's pretty neat. You know, what I want to do is I'd like to go find those places and talk to those people. That's pretty neat. I, I don't know if they do those around here, but I think there might be something like that. Right. I want to do
2: that as a job.
0: I know. It's pretty cool to take uh, those old machines that people don't uh, want to necessarily use and uh, you know send them somewhere, make them be of pretty good use. So that is pretty cool. Anderson began in two thousand six. That's pretty cool. After uh, he and his wife went to Inzo- Zimbabwe to teach math.
3: Didn't Noah do an interview at Scale with an organization in Southern California? that was doing something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's a
0: few. We see them all, like every fest we go to. Yeah, it's getting more and more of a thing, which is really cool. Like, oh, I just don't know how to get involved. I I don't know much about it, but I know that there's a I know there's a local group here. Uh, that takes old computers uh, and, uh, and puts them at libraries or something. Like they do, They're they not sending them off out of the country. They're putting them here local uh, for like students and stuff. So it's
4: pretty
5: neat.
0: Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that's just simply counting down the days until they install Linux on the Apple Watch. My name is Chris. And my name is Matt. All right, Matt, that'll conclude all of our Apple Watch discussion probably forever in Linux Unplugged. No, I can't say that. But definitely this week we have a huge show for episode 91. Uh, we've got a couple of things to follow up on that I think are pretty important because we pre-recorded last last week. So I want to get those in towards the top. Then, uh, Mr. Saigo, friend of the show, joins us in just a little bit to discuss what's going on at CoLab and the RoundCube project, which uh, is—RoundCube is an incredible open-source web mail project. Uh, I just recently backed their most recent crowdfunding initiative. We're going to talk about that, maybe discuss how it compares to some of the other popular projects out there. So, Saigo will be joining us to talk about all that. And then, towards the end of the show, we're going to get the Mumble Rooms reaction to the Ubuntu 1504 release— uh, there has been some strong reaction in some areas of the internet, specifically in regards to the System D implementation. I don't look we'll into that in just a minute. And then we're going to look ahead at Ubuntu 15.10 uh, just got its name. They just uh, announced a new focus on the desktop. We'll try to figure out what the hell that means and if it actually is going to make any bit of difference. So we got a lot to talk about today, a lot to uh, get through. And not only that, we have a bust and mumble room. Let's bring them in right now. Time appropriate. Greetings, my virtual lug.
6: Time uh, Good
0: evening. Hello, everybody. Dave. Hello. Hi, guys. Oh, Wimpy and Poopy, you guys <laughs> snuck in right as we got started. Hello, guys. Good yep. to have you here, too. Um, time to do, let's do a victory lap for a, a member in our audience. Uh, this just came in uh, just about five hours ago from uh, PM Nocturnal, uh, his freshly minted MacBook Pro 81 edition. It looks pretty nice, Uh, and he he had this to write in. I just thought this was perfect because we've been following this kind of thread for uh, three weeks now. He says, I just convinced my family over to – or converted my family over to Linux completely. The last was a MacBook Pro used by my bro. The moment it was updated to Yosemite, things started to slow down horribly. It took 30 effing seconds to start Firefox on it. He was fed up, and it went – and in one night, I installed Linux Mint 17.1 Cinnamon Edition – and uh, he said, quietly kept. I'm not sure. I guess he just meant it quietly kept it on there. He was so happy to see the way I customized it is to work with his workflow. He now owns a small photographic and AV studio. Now all I need is quality audio and video editing apps. He's willing to learn new apps. Gimp is what I made him use uh, in Mac. So editing on, uh, wasn't a problem under Linux. Uh, iMovie and GarageBand is what's stopping me to make the complete switch for him. He started using KDN Live, and he started to like it, and yet there's not much like iMovie. Uh, I hope I'll eventually switch over for audio, but I can't think of a good app. I'm searching things like KX Studio, AV Linux, but suggestions are welcome. He says also, uh, we'll get to the suggestions in just a second, but he says also, just a tip, if you're converting a Windows user to Linux, just hit them with quality Plasma-based desktop. Manjaro is good. Yeah. <laughs> he likes Manjaro. Uh, and for mm-hmm. Mac users, go with Linux Mint Cinnamon rather than GNOME and install Plank and customize it. That's worked for him. Well, that's, to mm-hmm. each your own. So... Um, audio apps. I'm a big fan of Okan Audio and uh, Audacity, which Audacity just recently had... I read an interview with the developers. There's some really interesting stuff uh, happening with the project there. They are finally working on a new UI for Audacity, which would be really welcome. And uh, it seems to be like it's got some serious legs. They just recently did an update after a long time that introduced real-time effects preview. So Audacity is getting pretty serious. The UI, I think, is doing it a disservice because it doesn't look like a serious app. It looks like a... Like a 90s Linux app that was always missing features compared to the proprietary alternatives, where now it's actually a pretty serious contender. It just has that legacy UI. Uh, so take a look at that, PC or PM Nocturnal. But uh, Matt, do you have any suggestions for, uh, for audio stuff?
7: You know, I'm a, I've been using Audacity since as long I, I, literally as far back as I can remember since my earliest days of using Linux and yeah the UI is definitely one of those things to where it grows on you after a while initially I thought it was even back then I thought it was horribly ugly but now it's like I can't even fathom them changing that it would feel somehow wrong but um, as far as other applications that's pretty much my primary one I can't really see using yeah. anything else it just does what I need it to but my needs are pretty minimal
0: Mumble Room anybody have any uh, comments on uh, audio and uh, things like uh, for studio work Nobody's going to mention Ardor, really? I figured somebody would come to the defense of Ardor. Yeah, this this is uh, your more serious end uh, production software, where uh, if you have multiple tracks and devices coming in, real-time audio recording. Uh, with real-time effects and all of that, Ardor is serious business, and it's definitely worth taking a look at, too. I think we've mentioned this before, but it's you know I don't mention it very often because we don't use it here at JB1, uh, so I don't have a lot of hands-on experience with it. I think if I did, I'd probably promote it more.
7: I think my hang up is cuz I've looked at wanting to get into it at one point but I think when I look at it I see all these options and I'm just I am a little mm-hmm. overwhelmed. I, but yeah. at the same time I want to take yeah. I want to take a weekend and just dedicate myself to trying to learn cuz I'm sure I can. But I feel like it's trying to learn it's like trying to learn Blender. Incredibly powerful but it's like I'm I'm just too, too much of a noob I guess. I don't yeah, know.
0: Yeah, lightworks is like that too. And it's, it's it? that's a really hard line to walk if you're going to have a serious tool to do, you know. Yeah. Production and work it, they are often uh, you know, too complicated in a lot of ways. Right, right. And so it's just the, it's just the, the nature of the beast. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed, uh, but today it doesn't really affect us Linux users yet, but uh, good old games, you know, the guys over at GOG, guys oh, yeah. and gals, I shouldn't say guys, uh, the folks, the people, uh, launched Galaxy to the public today. Uh, it's only available for Windows and Mac, but uh, I suppose eventually they they seem to be indicating that they'll be also releasing uh, for Linux. What is what is Galaxy? I, I didn't know until this morning, to be honest, because it's not really on my radar. Uh, but think of it as a platform for DRM-free games similar to Steam with uh, auto-updates, downloading from the library, uh, social interaction, and one of the key components is it does not require online connection. Now, it is not open source, but it does f- compi- it is predominantly featured uh, focusing on DRM-free games. Anybody in the mumble room see this and have a reaction to it? We talked about it today on Tech Talk Today, and uh, it seems to be that the people who are for this are people that like Steam but have a good set of games they have from their good old games library, don't really want to have to have online play, want to still be able to do like the social thing for multiplayer and things like that. Uh,
7: Well, I'm on their page now. I'm looking at – just under the news section for GOG to just (laughs) kind of get an idea of it. You know, sounds really awesome. Unfortunately, their their uh, news page for it is really doing it a disservice because all it shows me is a banner with GOG.com Galaxy and some space, and then and then the verbiage. I, I would I would really be interested yeah. in maybe I don't know seeing the beta in
0: action on a YouTube video. So or, they want to be, uh, think you know. Steam, but for GOG games, and, okay. they, and But so they're going to do a couple of features like uh, rollback. Cool. So like if a game update Ooh. makes something you don't like, you can roll back oh. to the previous version. That's kind of I like of that. Offline uh, No, support, I love that. Right? Yeah. And in fact, you don't even have to have a profile to use it unless you want to get mm-hmm. game ch- achievements and things like that.
7: So it sounds like the two killer features then, if I'm understanding correctly, is the big one is, you know, if you just really don't want to deal with the profile, you don't have to have one if you don't want to yeah. have the achievements and whatnot. And then the rollback feature, that alone, honestly, ugh, i got to tell you, that's pretty sweet.
0: Yeah. It, uh, WW NSX, what do
3: you think? I'm like... With the Steam backlash um, a week These and a half cool. ago or so, there was um, someone made an app or someone's been working on an app where it conglomerates like this. It would con- uh, make this uh, Steam and then Origin all in one sort of it's just too much to run on one system like i have steam i already have origin then yeah. i have to have this yeah. and then on top of that on steam if you buy something from ubisoft then you have uplay running at the same time as steam it's it's a good idea if you want to focus solely like on gr on gog dr free you know hopefully when they get more linux titles but to me it's just like i already have enough you know i'll probably maybe get it yeah, I do like some of the things, like, they're pushing, like, the optional auto updates that you can roll back. That's really good.
0: Yeah, I guess I'm starting to – I was starting to lean towards it. Well, <clears throat> you know, I, I watched their video, and their video is very, mm-hmm. like, much like consumer choice and, like, uh, free right. freedom of this. And, like, here, let me – like, uh, uh, I'll just, like – it gets towards the end of the uh, of the video, I'll, about 50, 50 seconds into the video. To
6: use. We call this Freedom of Choice. Our client application will offer convenient game updating as well as the option to stay in touch with friends. But we will never force it on you. Never require you to have it to play your games. We call it the optional client. Regardless of which digital store you buy your games from, we don't think you should be locked into it. We strongly believe that you should be free to play together with all your friends without any third-party client apps or accounts required. We call this Crossplay. Welcome to GOG Galaxy, the DRM-free online gaming platform. So that's how they pitch it.
0: Pretty good. That's text. actually,
7: okay, now that's pretty good. Yeah, um, right? You know, immediately I realize why I care. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's my big, that's always been my big gripe with anything. I and like I like that, that it's
0: optional. Um, yep. So the mm-hmm. only way I could see this possibly working is if I only have Steam in this. There's no way I want more than that. I don't want Steam, Desura, uh, and whatever the else is. And, and uh, thankfully on Linux we don't have uh, this whole crap show, but it's, uh,
7: yeah, although there is, it is kind of funny to work. you know we get rid of that pesky DRM stuff so that you can run this on your Windows computer, you know, kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, which is kind of like what. But yeah. outside of that, I, I like the message. I like the idea. I like the fact that they are at least at some general level providing folks with a
0: choice, and that's cool. Uh, I'm going to grab a video that Micro eighty nine in the chat room just linked here. So this is the first look uh, from uh, Calihead Pro. Or Craighead Pro. And- Sorry, Craighead. I don't know. Hey, I'm Craig of That's Craig. Craighead Pro. And- there you go. Nice. It looks like he's on Windows 10. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> uh, I would say uh, it looks like a web app uh, on a desktop. So, it looks like your your GOG library. The fact that they couldn't make this available for uh, Linux is a joke.
7: Yeah, that's kind of my, wow. just,
0: I mean, if you're going to be
7: pushing the whole DRM free freedom choice, you know, come on, you got, you got to go all the way. with This it. That's is all. their
0: galaxy client. This is their website. In a, oh, that's in a, it. This is. The, you're telling me great. they couldn't have released this for Linux? This is super weak. I mean, it's
7: not like it's really that visually. Like, my, like, it, doesn't, it, know, it looks like it, it it's looks just It looks like websites.
0: a Chromium app with a web page inside of it. <laughs> it probably is. You know what would be funny? <laughs> is to actually build that and then email it to them? This <laughs> is starting to feel like good old games is, or is. I like them a lot, but... Uh, they're lackluster. Like, if you want to be a yeah. serious contender in this game, you got to be like Steam and Discord. You got to have a Linux client. Uh, a number one. B make the ser- make the client seriously worth it. Don't 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 do this crap MVP stuff. Actually, show something that's worth my time. I just, just well, visually,
7: it's meh, you know, at best. I mean, there's that factor, but also, as you pointed out, the fact that they're not re- releasing it for Linux. I mean, just from a you know brass tax financial point of view. Fun fact: If you're in the indie game space, or you're in the not EA or not, uh, you know, uh, some of the bigger uh, guys out there that are running games on disks and things like that you buy from stores, you probably want to make sure you're hitting as many markets as possible. And Linux is where the growth is, so they might want to get on that. And,
0: uh, you know, you talk to indie developers and they say uh, Linux is a small but passionate and growing section of their business, and they want to be in there now as they're growing their business. It makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, I'm sure GOG will eventually come around with the Linux client, but after seeing that, I'm not so sure I'm I'm waiting anymore. I'll just continue to download from their website. I bought bought one of the Star Wars games a couple days ago from them. Uh, for well, as you pointed like, out, months. if
7: anyone wants to build their own, they can. Um, they just simply, uh, you know, I forget exactly how you do it from Chrome, but it's usually pretty easy. You just like pop out a thing, and it appears in your desktop. <laughs> there you go. You're done. I, 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 you know what? I'm going to I'm going to build them. I'm going to create it right. for them, and yeah. then I'm
0: going to send it to and them. W- I'm going to send them an invoice. Be like, be like, uh, <laughs> uh, like uh, the, call it the uh, the Linux port of the uh, GOG Galaxy, oh, Yeah. Uh, okay, Corby, oh, d- Are we being too harsh?
5: Um, I think it's it's interesting because GOG still has a you user base which is 90% Windows and Mac and yeah. they they are going to get a li- Linux client available I think they're okay. meeting a need that yeah. um, it, Linux games is a process of refinement, Steam it gets the massive user base over but it still in, contains dr- DRM which isn't what everyone should be c- content with. Um, I think it's I don't know if GOG is going to be the people who make it. They make what everyone wants. But as long as there's people trying to work on it, can't we only just make progress?
0: Yeah, I I, I do kind of, I grok what you're saying. Um, But it's kind of, I I kind of hate that argument on the other respect, because um, I would say GOG's uh, small Linux share would be due to the fact that they've completely ignored GOG, even teased a Linux market to some degree pre-Mac announcement for many years. And so it's kind of like saying, um, my tomato garden really sucks. Yeah, yeah, guess what? I don't nurture my tomato garden. Yeah, obviously it sucks. I mean, that's obvious. Yes, of course their Linux market share is tiny. Uh, they 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 could have been they there was demand for them to enter this market well before there was ever steam for Linux. Uh, I, I just I, I I understand that just sheer numbers wise the Linux share is is small. But they could have been, with their DRM-free stance, with their huge DOSBox compatibility, and and here's the other thing. Before you, completely, uh, dis- before you completely give them a pass, also consider that in this same time, while Steam passed them up and got a Linux client out there, there's this other group that came along called the Humble Bundle. And the Humble Bundle yeah. not only showed us how you can get games over to Linux, but how you can actually get developers to do ports, and in, in almost all cases native ports over to Linux, and that's another opportunity that GOG completely missed they got lapped by the humble guys now there's a full-time humble store and they're making great profits and GOG totally missed that opportunity because they never had their head in Linux they never figured it out but if they would have followed some of these things they could have been these guys the GOG would have been perfect for those kind of bundles that would have been perfect for them plus they could have filled in from their back catalog as well uh, I just, you know, they they didn't see it, and I'm sure they don't have the resources. But I don't want to give them too much of a pass. We we too often do that, and in reality, sometimes companies make mistakes and they miss market opportunities. And I think GOG's done that, and now they're at a continual disadvantage in the Linux market, and so it continues to perpetuate that, prior, but that priority for them.
7: One area I think they still have an opportunity to recoup from it, because I do agree that they missed an opportunity, but I see another one. What they're doing with this client itself is. Is great. I love that. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's on the. It's just it's not available for us. If they would simply pull the trigger and export a, an icon to their desktop, like I suggested with with Chrome, mm-hmm. and make it available to everybody, I honestly feel like that it's like okay. So we've created an atmosphere. Now we they may not have the resources to you know to, to encourage a lot of porting the games. They may not even have an interest in it. But at least the client is there. At yeah. least it's like okay. Yeah. Now we're different than Steam. Come bring your games over to us, and you know, and mm-hmm. we can actually encourage this yeah, other. Just atmosphere.
0: having something on the desktop yes. is nice. Just that, yeah, is, and, that, that yep. is nice.
7: Uh, and, and, I, then some, and then other game developers might be like, oh, hey, you know, I would like to have an opportunity to provi- provide my games to where they don't have to have an account. These are This is different than Steam. That's cool. Let's check that out. That's all they got to do.
0: It doesn't right. require a lot of and, effort on their part. Uh, it doesn't take a lot, right? It doesn't have to be much. It just has to be slightly more useful than the web. Like that's all you have to go that's for. It. Like so, like uh, Steam walks that line pretty closely, right? When you Steam is uh, in a lot of ways, it's the in- insides of the Steam uh, Chrome are just a web page. The outsides, oh, yeah. though, are written in the native platform. So, like in the case of Linux, it's GTK, and you can theme it, and you can go in there and set the dialogues on create libraries and where you want downloads to go. You can opt into betas and in the settings. Like there's interfaces for your for your uh, for your microphone for doing Teamspeak and for your social settings. All all perfect. All in the Steam client without ever having to load your web page right so right. the steam client does a brilliant job of walking the line of, of standing on top of their web technology so that way they don't have to write two different stores at the same time but then yet wrapping it in a chrome that gives you a lot of extra options and benefits that absolutely make it worth having the steam client not to mention like the downloader management and all that kind of stuff so uh, i think you know that's all gog really has to do and that bar is not that high it really <laughs> no, is not, and i would steam's not yeah. that great
7: <laughs> no, it really isn't. And as much as I enjoy Steam games, I would be thrilled pink to see GOG rattle Valve's cage a little bit. Great, yeah, yes, I'm exactly. all for that.
0: Yeah, cool. Uh, and, you know. but it, it has to have some kind of functionality, like, uh, right. and, and I'm sure they'll work that in there. So,
7: oh yeah. And, I, and like I said, I have not written them off at all. I hope, hopefully, this is their uh, cold cup of coffee, you know, mm-hmm. and that
0: they're going to say, oh and wait, yeah, I, we really know, need to get on this as soon as uh, as soon as one hits the AUR, I'm going to install it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> which will be five minutes from now. Uh, you think? I wonder. I wonder. Uh, Wouldn't be that hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we go uh, any further, I want to take a minute and, th- and talk about our uh, friends over at Linux Academy who are sponsoring this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. Go over to linuxacademy.com un- slash unplugged, speaking of that, and that's where you're going to get our Linux Unplugged discount, which is fantastic. Go to uh, linux go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged, and you'll get a 33% discount on the Linux Academy content. That's an incredible discount. 33% is, is nuts. So that's going to be $50 for a quarter. Now, why do they do it like this? Why is this system set up like this? Because they're always adding great stuff. Really, really, really great stuff. Uh, I could tell you all about Linux Academy, and I want to do that. Uh, but a lot of you have heard about Linux Academy. So for so those of you who have heard this spot before, stay tuned, because there's something that is for you, specifically, that I want to get to. But first, for those of you who are new, Linux Academy is the place to go to make yourself sort of break through that level, to train yourself on that next skill set, to learn that next thing, to transition from one distribution to another. It's an online, self-paced learning system. It's an entire platform created by true Linux and open source enthusiasts who got together with their friends who are educators and developers and they created the Linux Academy platform specifically for this purpose. That's all they do is cover open source and Linux technologies. That's why they're great at it. It's their passion. It's their focus. And they have scenario-based labs which give me the confidence and will give you the confidence because you work hands-on in these scenarios. You'll receive access to these labs They'll put you in the middle of tasks common to an everyday environment. You'll work in the advanced lab environments and complete the scenarios from beginning to to end on live servers. So you'll walk away from that having experience and confidence when you need to go apply that to a job. That's more than just training. That's, that, that, that honestly, for me, reduces anxiety. That means I'm not doing this stuff for the first time. Plus, you don't have to worry if you get a little stuck. There's instructor help available. You can choose from seven plus Linux distributions. They'll automatically adjust the courseware and the virtual machines because they spin up virtual machines as you need them. And this can be a good cost savings if you're going to be learning some AWS stuff because you don't have to worry about getting dinged on AWS, which I've done. And something for guys like me who have now been a member for Linux Academy for a little while, they've added Nuggets. And I like this because I have found that even though I've been using Linux for longer than I'd like to admit, I still could do things a little bit better from time to time. And there's just a lot of ways to string things together. And this is where Nuggets come together. they are single how-tos that walk you through doing specific tasks that don't belong on a course, don't really go with a, like a large range of things. It's a single video lesson. It's somewhere between 2 and 60 minutes, and it teaches you like one specific thing and how to do it. It's pretty cool. And those are nuggets, and they just added them recently. So speaking of things they've added recently, if you've been a listener for a little while, you're probably familiar with Linux Academy. You might even be a member, at least I hope you are. Well, I, I-, I think this is something pretty cool, and it's going to fund open source development, so I want to tell you about it. It's called the Linux Academy Founders Club, and this is where you can go. You can become a member. You get access to like uh, content as it's being developed Uh, You get major swag from time to time, access to site beta features. uh, You get special recognition in the community, different areas. But you also get to vote on something really neat that they're working on. It's their open source grant program. Any open source source license project can apply for this. And they're going to give up to $5,000 for the project that their founders club votes on. That's amazing because uh, these guys truly care about this kind of stuff and they want to give it back. And and, and there's a pretty good chance that one of those open source projects is going to be in our audience. So I'm going to have more information about how you can get that soon. Uh, The RHCSA just also also recently went live. DevOps Essentials is available now. 50 Video Nuggets just recently went up. The OpenStack uh, course is just like – they're always updating new stuff. Uh, I think that's probably the area I should maybe visit. Uh, to be honest with you, but I love that I know it's just always constantly getting refreshed, and like, so that means that I'm always getting value out of my membership, which I, I do pay for my membership. You go over to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged, sign up, get our 33% discount, and you also support this show. And then you get to try something out really great. that might even help take your skill set up to the next level. They have in-depth resources. You're going to be super impressed. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged, and a big thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Unplugged program.
7: Well, two critical courses that I don't think most people are aware of um, that I think are two, probably two of the most important. The first one is I've never touched Linux in a uh, day of my life, and where do I get started? <laughs> that's a good one. I love that course. And, I mean, I forget the proper name for it, but that's essentially what it is. It's like it is literally you park anyone in front of it, and they will actually walk them through it. And the second course is okay. So I've got you know I'm ready. I've got some certs. i have studied for my certs. I'm ready to go. It's basically designed to help you find work. Yes, that's yes, awesome, and that yes. is an actual proper course they have. Yeah. Those two get you in the get you in the door, yeah. and it gets you out the yeah.
0: door. You know makes me pumped to do these spots is when I get the, and I, I, I'd love people to keep sending yep. them to me when they say, hey, I, I went Linux Academy, I got my certs, I got a job. Right? Yeah. That's really cool. So cool. Uh, so uh, we have Mr. Saigo join us in just a moment, but uh, producer Rotten Corpse is here, and I wanted to get an update on a software project that he's involved with, so uh, I uh, asked him to join us to give us a little update on UGIT, which just shipped version 2.0. Mr. Corpse, uh, what's new with UGIT, and what the heck is UGIT?
8: Uh, you get the download manager. It's uh, it's more like it's a, it's a multi download, so you can do like a queue of downloads. You can get a, like a ton of downloads all at once, and it, it makes it a lot easier to just manage a, a, a large list of downloads that you're doing. And this is a project um, you maintain. Yeah, I'm I'm one of the the I'm not the founder, but I'm the project manager of the of the of the project. And uh, we've actually made a lot of changes. Um, there's a couple thousand line changes, and uh, there's been uh, like uh, almost a couple hundred, I think it's like 180, 175, somewhere around there. Um, commits to the to it over a course of about a year or so. Um, the biggest change is the um, the fact that we've separated the the, U, the UI and the and the application core, so that the whole core is can, is separate from the GTK toolkit, or uh, so that allows us we could eventually uh, put QT on it or something like that. But we haven't. Set that up, but the whole goal is to be able to do that at some point. Uh, we've also made it where, like, at the, the used to be with like the 1.0 branch, there was a, a requirement for the plugin to do a certain features like multi threading and mm. uh, mirrors, mm. so like multi source downloads. Uh, we no longer require that plugin, although we still offer the plugin mm. and we even improve some features with the plugin as well. So now there's the core engine, which is run through Curl, and Area 2 as the plugin, are now separated both as plugins. so you can choose whichever one you want. You can even, if one of them fails, you can actually make it revert to the next one in a sequence, so it, no matter what, the engines will be there to, hmm. to do whatever you want mm-hmm.
0: them to do. And what's the shenanigans I hear about an Android app? What's this crap? Yeah, we, what is we created this? an
8: Android app for UGit. It's uh get it's, it's actually not here. based on the 2.0 version, but it is uh it is basically all the features that people love about UGit is in the Android version
0: as well. That is super cool. And you can down you can you can use it to download crap to your Android device like your SD card or whatever?
8: Yeah, you can. Uh-huh. You can download anything you want. Uh-huh. Uh, the best uh-huh. one of my favorite well, parts fun. is that uh, with my RSS reader I can just um copy the URL and have you get running and then it'll immediately start downloading.
3: To the
0: app. <laughs> That's neat. That's great. Well, very cool. I love it because uh, when I'm going to download like a big ISO or a whole bunch of stuff or like some, a big batch of stuff off of archive.org, I often will just throw it into you get that way I can just close my browser and not worry about it.
8: There's actually a new feature we added as well that helps people who want to do a a huge batch. Uh, We have a system called Sequential Batch where it'll automatically add certain, it'll scan the the list of what you want it to do and it will use wildcards to to find out what, like to just go through a sequence of the numbers of, like, based on, like, dates or something like that. now we actually have it where you can do multiple wildcards in the same your mm. same list.
0: Well, that sounds that sounds like somebody could nicely abuse a CDN with that one. Very nice, <laughs> sir. Very nice. The, the CDN <laughs> Punisher. You should uh, you know if you tie, if you did it right, you could repackage this and sell it to guys like Alan as a CDN stress tester. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> all right, Rob Corps, Thank you, sir, for the update. And uh, it was great to see you at uh, Linux Fest. We'll have yeah. a link uh, to you get, in the show notes. Uh, all right, so uh, we'll have, uh, uh, we have just a, speaking of a Linux Fest Northwest, I also wanted to mention uh, uh, Jupiter Broadcasting is going to be at OSCON in July, uh, July 20th through the 24th. See uh, Noah and I at OSCON, as well as Angela and Paige. Um, and uh, I don't know, maybe some others as well. Uh, we'll probably be taking the train down or perhaps maybe taking the whole family down. So OSCON is the O'Reilly Open Source Conference. I think this is the last year it's going to be in Portland, too. So this may be the last year I go. <laughs> so uh, if you want to meet up with us, uh, join us July 20th and the 24th. Uh, if that's uh, not going to work for you. Also coming up even sooner, uh, Southeast Linux Fest, June 12th through the 14th at the Charlotte, at the uh, Sheraton Charlotte Airport in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. June 12th through the 14th, Southeast Linux Fest. I'm not so sure if I'll be at this one or BSD can because they both are on the same day or weekend. But uh, I'm pretty sure Noah and producer Q5SYS will be at Southeast Linux Fest, and we'll have a big presence. there a live stream uh, powered by OBS, and uh, we'd love to have you stop by and say hi to us. That is a great, great, one of the best Linux Fests. Not the best. I can't. I mean, come on, guys. Linux Fest Northwest in my backyard. But if I live down south, something tells me this might be the one. Southeast Linux Fest or SELF, June 12th through the 14th. Come say hi to the JB crew. And uh, speaking of SELF... Our buddies over at the Arch Assault Project have a shirt to help fund uh, their initiative to get to self, to meet the community. Uh, they're releasing their first Arch Assault shirt in prep for Southeast Linux Fest. Uh, they are selling them at teespring.com slash archassault at dash self. Not the best URL ever, but it's teespring.com slash archassault at dash self. If you like the Arch Assault Project and want to help uh, them get to self... They'd love to sell a few shirts, and um, I'll have a link in the show note for that as well. And it's a nice shirt. It's got the Arch Assault logo right here on the front.
7: Oh, that's cool. Yeah,
0: and I'm an Arch fan, of course. Everybody knows that. Uh, And I used to be a pen tester, so it's kind of cool to have that. So I'm definitely getting one. And then on the back they have, there is no security on this earth. There is only opportunity. General MacArthur. (laughs) Pretty like hardcore, it. pretty hardcore, and uh, it's just uh, it's they're selling it for basically uh, no profit, fifteen dollars. So um, maybe buy two because they're not going to make any money at fifteen dollars. But it's yeah, quite cool. no,
7: that's too, they, yeah. I would have gone a little you higher, know, but don't I, you? I think buy yeah. two. I think buy two would be the way to go. You
0: do know at fifteen dollars, yeah, you don't make nothing. At uh, teespring. dot com slash arch dash at dash self, or just find the link in the show notes. And uh, good luck to the arch assault guys. They always uh, They they were uh, put on a good show there. Uh, last year and uh, I, I think you should definitely check it out uh, alright so I know I've been teasing it for a long time and I'm, I want to clear room for it so I wanted to just uh, take a moment right now and uh, I want to, before we right before we bring Mr. Saigo in I want to mention DigitalOcean because I think they're so awesome that we got to just take a minute and mention them and then we'll start talking to Aaron I love DigitalOcean, I love them I love them because uh, my son, I was really really excited to get him to try a Linux rig and they like the, 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 the candy that got him to like swallow it was Minecraft and then I'm like okay well we have a Minecraft server for the Jupyter Broadcasting community but it requires a slightly older version of Minecraft and I'm not so sure I want him on the public just yet so I went over to DigitalOcean and I set myself up a Minecraft server. It was just a really straightforward process. It took no time at all because I get root access to my own cloud server up at DigitalOcean, and it is super intuitive and very easy to get started. So I knew I was going to get a great Linux rig. I knew I could throw Minecraft on there in no time. I got started in less than 55 seconds. And pricing plans—they started only five dollars a month. That'll get you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabit, 20 gigabyte SSD. Yeah, they're all SSDs, by the way. One CPU. And a terabyte of transfer. Now, since I'm doing Minecraft, I decided to go with 2 gigs of RAM. And I think I have a 40 gigabyte SSD. It's really straightforward, the pricing structure. And they even offer hourly pricing if you just need to do some software testing or something like that. Just go spin up a droplet up there, you know, throw something in a Docker container and bang on it for a couple of hours and you're done. And the thing I love about that is they make it really easy to deploy Docker containers. So you could be working locally on your laptop or your desktop, and when you're ready to actually test it, maybe you want to throw it on a public IP, you don't want to have to bug IT to open up a port on the IP or on the firewall. You know, just throw it up on a DigitalOcean droplet for a couple of hours, have the public tester bang on it, get your test results in, and then shut it down. It's really cheap, they have an incredible interface to do all of this, and this, this is sort of the secret sauce here. It's very intuitive, and Power Users could replicate on a larger scale with their straightforward APIs. You could even automate that process, and that's starting to get pretty powerful. And they've got data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, and a brand new one in Germany that's gorgeous with great connectivity, really a central point over there. And when you look at all of this, you're thinking, okay, this is a pretty good package. Uh, and I'll tell you from a technology standpoint, I'm all in. It's based on Linux. They're using KVM for the virtualizer. It's SSDs for the I.O. So you get super high-end I.O. You don't need a full like fiber-attached RAID full of 10,000 RPM for 15,000 RPM spinning rust. You just have a great SSD. And it's really easy to expand that. They can do that inside the interface. You don't even have to reload the box or anything like that. You've got one-click deployment of applications, Ruby on Rails, Docker, GitLab, Ghost, WordPress, all the good stuff. One button deploys it, and then on top of all of that, they have the best tutorials on the internet. And I'm just going to say that because, I, I, you know, it's like I noticed this started to happen with Arch a few years ago. You start to search for stuff, and a lot of time the Arch wiki result shows up. It's like, huh, man, Arch has pretty good documentation. That's good. But even before I used Arch, like, I knew Arch had good documentation. Like, everybody knows that, right? That's what's happening over DigitalOcean because they started to pay their contributors up to $200 to write these tutorials. And then they realized, okay, well, now we need an editing staff. So then they invested in hiring editors to curate and edit the how-tos. And they keep them relevant and current. And when they roll out a new technology like FreeBSD, they roll out a whole host of tutorials to match that. It's an end-to-end thing they do. It's a complete product, complete package, and it's super respectable. And they do it right. And here's the best part. You can get a $10 promo. You can try it two months absolutely free when you use the promo code Unplugged. You create your account. No credit card required. You just apply it. Unplugged, one word, lowercase. That'll give you a $10 credit. Go try out CoreOS. It is a game-changer. CoreOS is going to change the enterprise. You can go try it out. FreeBSD is up there. I don't know why you'd want that. They've got Ubuntu, Fedora, CentOS. All that good stuff's up there. You can go deploy applications. It's really good. And they've, you could even go like baller style, where like, you know what? Don't even bother with like starting to just deploy the whole thing Ubuntu 1404 up to date with the entire LAMP stack, MySQL ready to go. Boom. Done. You've got it. Seriously, it's a great way to go. Use the promo code DO Unplugged. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. You guys. Freaking maniacs over there with all this stuff. I'm really impressed with the pace of innovation. I don't know how they do it. You know, I talk to the people on the inside, and uh, they're, they, they not only do they do it, but they kind of do it with a, with a good attitude. It's kind of remarkable. I think it's because they're on the East Coast. Maybe that's what that, it is. Yeah, that definitely helps, sure. I think on the West Why Coast, not? we don't quite work at that same speed. Uh, well, uh, Matt, I'm super excited to welcome Aaron Saigo, friend of the show, and his new jingle, because he's a return guest. Mr. Aaron Saigo, is now working. For a new company, I, is it Collab? Collab Systems, Aaron. What's the name for the full name?
9: Yeah, it's Collab Systems AG.
0: Collab Systems AG, and uh, I, here's what I know about Collab. Uh, it's a it's a free software uh, platform of like sort of like an Exchange competitor or like a Zimbra competitor, but um, a little more open. Really respected mm-hmm. for uh, privacy is sort of the, the the hubbub on the street, and it's something that's like always been on my bucket list to try, and uh, I. I I was pretty excited when I saw you moved over there, but I don't actually get the connection. You know, when I think of Aaron Saigo, I think KDE. I think of Vivaldi tablet. Um, uh, I I don't know if I necessarily thought Colab. So what are you doing at Colab and uh, how's it been?
9: Yeah, so I mean, the connection is, I guess, long term. Um, when Colab first started, a lot of people that were involved in the project were also involved with KDE. There was a crossover there already, so I kind of knew some of the guys behind it. And this is back in like 2001, I believe. <clears throat> and so when it first hit 1.0, I actually deployed it, tried it out. It was usable. Yeah. Um, it was not what we have today, but yeah. it was there. And it was you know, a, definitely a step up. Um, When Collab Systems started, it was started by a very good friend of mine, uh, Georg Grieva, uh, who lives in the same city that I do now, which is handy. And We'd often (laughs) talked about doing something together sometime, and late last year the opportunity came up. He said, remember how we've always said we should maybe do something sometime? (laughs) Well, how about it? So I'm there doing two things uh, right now, which is, on the one hand, I'm helping with um, some of the technology, you know, the architecture architecture of certain pieces of what Mm -hmm. goes into Mm Colab. So on that side, my official title is senior technologist, and I work with a couple of other guys that are just fantastic, um, including people like the lead uh, architect for the entire shebang, Yurun. Uh, um, so that's been great, and the team in general is just fantastic. And then, so. Uh,
0: just so I kind of am tracking my understanding, is there also like a hosted collab company that is separate but somehow related to collab systems?
9: Yeah, so we um, it started as a proof of concept to show that you know well what can Collab do, and so we started Collab now, um, and it just so happened that it was launched within about twenty four hours or so of the Snowden revelations. Right. Um, yes. Which which was just complete coincidence. We promise, <laughs> um, but but we had a real focus on uh, privacy and and why it's hosted and managed entirely within Switzerland is built legal framework here yeah. which has is a lot of privacy or a lot of respect for people's privacy and all the lead routes for things like requesting data and whatnot are um, not only very strict um, on the side of the the consumer the individual but also it's a transparent process so we're never we never have a gag on us that says oh you can't talk about it in fact here the federal government once a year releases a complete report of every single, um, wiretap, et cetera, request that they, they make, they obviously anonymize it, but they say when, where it basically happened and, and for, you know, what reason, what law was, was enacted in that. And so transparency is a big thing here. So, yeah, so collab now we've got, um, a lot of people from all over the world, uh, that, that use that mm-hmm. single system. And that's our, our hosted version, um, of collab. And of course, a lot of people use collab on site. Um, People who uh, are larger institutions especially, they uh, hire us to do support and mm. we have Collab Enterprise for that. So this is really um, anybody
0: so- that needs like an exchange type solution where you have a groupware with calendaring, email, task lists, contacts, uh, resources and roles and all these kinds of things, right? It's like a, it's a complete solution for this.
9: That's right. Notes as well. Um, and yeah, and so resource booking, all of those fancy, dancey features. And mm-hmm. the client side is all cross-platform. If you have a Windows phone, BlackBerry, iOS device, Android, like most of the rest of the world, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're covered. Um, if you run it on Windows, Mac, or Linux, you're covered. So you choose the client. We run the servers.
0: And so Colab has been around. I'm sorry. I think you mentioned it, but it was did you say 2006?
9: Uh, well, Itself started in the early 2000s. Okay. Um, Colab Colab Systems itself has been around in its current form for about four years. Okay.
0: So now I want to fast forward to uh, this week where uh, I saw you uh, did, uh, or uh, you were involved with uh, Colab's announcement. For Roundcube's next funding initiative, they're calling it Roundcube Next. They're doing it on Indiegogo. They have uh, uh, 58 days left. They've raised $13,629 of a goal of $80,000, 17% funded right now. How is Roundcube connected to CoLab, and uh, what's going on here?
9: Yeah, so we obviously need a amazing, world-class, kick-ass uh, web app sit in front of it, right? Yeah. I mean, if you don't have a web interface, you don't have a group or a server these days.
0: Right, so. and RoundCube, I think, has got the best interface out there.
9: Well, the rest of the world agrees with you because it's the most popular free software webmail app on the internet. Oh, interesting. We know... We know over half a million installations, um, and some of these are serving entire ISP, ASP communities. Um, so it, it there are millions of people literally every day who access their mail, their contacts, their calendar, et cetera, through web through Roundcube. So the connection between Colab and Roundcube is, yeah, we needed something that was great. And before, we were using something called Horda, yeah. which had its limitations. And Georg, uh, who I mentioned earlier, my good friend, founder, CEO of the company, um, he got together with Thomas Bruderly, who lives in Switzerland as well, as it turns out. And they sat down on a veranda with uh, some beer in hand, as one does, <laughs> and said, hey, we need a good web app. Um, you make one. How can we make this work? And so what ended up happening is Thomas and the other, the second most um, important developer in terms of, you know, contribution and whatnot, both ended up working for Collab Systems. So for the past uh, few years, we've actually been paying for the large, you know, the lion's share of round cube development, um, which we've been very happy to do because it's an amazing product and we need it. So mm. we're, we have no problems with giving back like that.
0: I, had, I, uh, I, I don't know how – I don't know if I was quite aware of the, that level of – I didn't know that level of involvement. That's actually pretty great. And so, you know, of course, the number one thing that the Internet does is says, well, what about – And, you know, they'll pick their favorite uh, dark mail, mail pile, et cetera. Uh, Do you have any comments on where uh, RoundCube fits in to to some of these others that have also sort of gotten more popularity post-Edward Snowden?
9: Yeah, so I think that the more options we have, the better. It's always, I think, a a, a for granted, uh, as long as they're free software. Not all the new things are. Um, But what we can say for for RoundCube is it has 10 years of history. It works now. Um, and we plan to push it forward even further so i like
0: the way you're doing this too you're going to like the primary funding is like okay we get this primary funding we're going to get this core figured out uh we get to more funding we're going to get some of these like uh other things that are really nice to have figured out uh, that would be really great then there's these stretch goals that are like the filter the road warrior the chatter the organizer it, and it's uh, just an interesting way to sort of display this um uh, and, and what do you think aaron uh, are you are you so far pleased with the traction Thir- thirteen thousand dollars in two days
9: yeah, I mean that's fantastic. We're looking for a total of 80,000 to get the core done. Um and we're trying to be realistic about what it takes. I mean, we want to we want to make sure we have enough resources to really make this happen. Um at the same time we're going to continue to maintain Roundcube 1. We have to for clients as well. So, you know, there's it's a fairly big commitment on our part to to make this happen and it's great to see the um the community of users um, you know, pitch in. In fact, we actually just today had CPanel pick up one of the uh, actually the high end uh, perk. and so will should be joining our advisory board as a result of that. Um, which is great. And that's another part of this, right? is is it's not just us looking for you to fund what we're doing. But there are two perk levels, which are really aimed at people becoming more involved. So one of them is the backstage pass. It's for individuals. And the idea is that um, uh, you get access to kind of the day-to-day ongoing what we're doing. I mean, mm-hmm. we do it all in the open, but this is a bit more than that. And you, you will be looked to back. Um, so we really hope our dedicated users uh, pick that one up, and a number already have. Um, and then we've got the advisory committee was really aimed at large organizations um, that use RoundCube as part of their business. CPanel fits that perfectly. Um, and they yeah it's an advisory committee that you know as one does, um, you look for uh, sage advice and, and wisdom from those who rely on you. Um, so this is we're trying to make this a, a full kind of virtuous circle kind of thing.
0: Um, uh, I see one potential flaw with all of this one huge flaw Aaron I, I don't know if you've noticed it kind of stands out like a sore thumb uh, underneath your promo video it says Aaron Saigo zero Facebook friends it's very sad it's just like Aaron has no friends and uh, I realize probably you don't have a Facebook profile but that's bad marketing I feel like
9: that's kind of sad <laughs> That's right. Feel sad about me. Fund yeah. my yeah. own project. <laughs>
0: there product. you go. It work in your favor.
9: So, uh, all yes. right. So uh,
0: just along the same line of questioning about the Snowden stuff, um, what about the popular demand for uh, things like integration of uh, GPG and things like that? Is that? Do you see a place for features like that in a fundraiser like this, or is that something outside of that or something down the road? What are your thoughts?
9: So all of those stretch goals, you know, the chatter, the, you know, organizer, yada, yada, those are actually all um, applications that will be added to RoundCube next, you know, when it's all done. How fast we get there really relies on the kind of support we see. Um, In amongst all that, GPG support um, is actually on the roadmap. Um, it's a bit further down the roadmap because we want to be able to, you know, be able to use their calendar first before they can use GPG to encrypt it. So, you know, there's there's a certain mad, uh, order to the madness there. Um, but that's already something that's on our roadmap. Um in addition to that, so, I mean, this is also what's kind of exciting to me, and we announced this at the CoLab Summit as a CoLab initiative in general, but RoundCube is also part of this, where we feel that we've done a really good job with, you know, asynchronous communication, mail, calendaring, yada, yada, yada. Um, and one of the things that we're working on really hard this year to bring to the CoLab side, and we'll be putting into RoundCube uh, next as well, is the... the Synchronous side of it. So that's things like um, IM, uh, instant messaging, mm. which you'll we'll be using Jabber for, mm. WebRTC video chat. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah, the, the whole deal. Um, as well as hold on to your seats, collaborative editing. Um, for office oh, documents.
0: oh, oh, oh. So,
9: so this is one. We actually had both WebODF and LibreOffice at the Collab Summit. In fact, I have a handy little GIF of one of the lead ODF developers and Michael Meeks sitting down together and smiling over some, some beers uh, after dinner. So it's, yeah, this is something that we take very seriously. Oh, well, this and makes me are, very happy. So these are all stretch goals that we have um, that we'd love to hit with the, with the RoundCube next. Um, and we have a roadmap that goes all, all the way through this.
0: Uh, and so uh, I suppose this is uh, – if this happens, um, then you have a, collab, a, uh, a something that's becoming more and more relevant really to the open source world, especially, again, post-Snowden, not to overuse it, but it's true. Uh, and you would have a, a truly first-class mail client. That's – I mean at the end of the day, that's what we'd be accomplishing here is we would be integrating the best in web mail with the best of uh, open source uh, groupware collaboration
9: yeah I mean, if you look at it whenever we talk to people about Colab these days they in their minds they often go one of two routes right one is um compared to exchange on the one hand mm. um and on the other hand, it is compared to office three sixty five or google apps mm. and and so we realize that the future is in this you know integrated um online services. Kind of area where we can offer that full range of, of messaging and document editing um, on top of all those other things. And yeah, there's people in the in the um, in the channel going, but we all want GPG, and, and yes, it will come. Um, one thing is that we want to do it right. Um, there's a lot of people selling snake oil out there right now, saying things like, "Oh, we encrypted on our server." I know of one group that's doing it you know, doing that actually well, and they, but they only do it with email. Um, but there are others who are saying, yes, we, we encrypt it, and, but they hold all the keys, which makes it almost useless. Um, doing this right is non-trivial. And one thing that we commit to within, you know, Colab and, and RoundCube is when we do something, we try and do it right or not at all. Um, so we will get to, to GPG um, support for sure. It's Like I said, it's on our roadmap, um, and we're committed to doing it properly.
0: Uh, so, uh, it's, uh, it's over on uh, Indiegogo right now. Uh, Indiegogo, uh, round cube next is what you'd want to search for when you get over there. We'll have a link in the show notes as well. So if I wanted to get started with collab, Aaron, um, you know, just maybe for like an on-premises installation or something like that. Uh, what would be a good spot to like, check that out? Like, how do I get started? Do I, is there a distro that comes preloaded? Is it just easier to just set something up and install it, go hosted? What's my best option there?
9: Yeah. So there's if you go to collab.org, there is documentation as you were talking about earlier. Documentation is awesome. <laughs> uh, we've got pretty extensive documentation for many distributions. The more, especially the more popular ones, it is a um, add a package or a repository. Run your package manager's you know foo of choice. Um, and you get the, the packages put in. And there's a small post-installation routine that you run to put in, you know, OK, what is your domain name that you want, and et cetera. Um, so that's really the easiest way. Personally, when I'm trying out a new version, I fire up a VM on my machine and install it there. Uh, so that, that'll get you the community version, which is exactly the same as the enterprise version. Um, there is some version drift between the two of them depending on release dates. Um, but we don't we're not open core, we hold nothing back. Um, so if you get the community version, you actually get a very good idea of what the enterprise version gives you. And, by, and actually- uh, by not
0: open core, you mean you're not just the
9: core is open. Everything is open. We only do free software. It's an ethical position for yeah. us as a company. Right. Um, so it's kind of like the the Red Hat thing. And that's that's mm-hmm. where we that's all we do no matter what. Um, So that'd be the way to go. Go to collab.org, check that out. Um, We just uh, released uh, 3.4 recently-ish, and Collab Enterprise 14 is based on that as well, so that was not so long ago. Um, So we've got some really fresh, good stuff there. Um, Yeah, and you've got the usual slate of IRC channels and uh, mailing lists and and whatnot.
0: Very cool, Aaron. Well, uh, anything else you want to touch on before we uh, bump along? And I was thinking, if you want to stick around for the rest of the show, uh, uh, we could do a we could discuss more of the GPG stuff. Uh, Rotten, you wanted to ask about the Road Warrior. Go ahead, and fire that off
9: before we wrap up.
8: Yeah, I couldn't find a description of what that stretch goal meant, so I was just wondering what does Road Warrior entail?
9: Yes, yeah, we're teasing you. Um, we will actually explain what all the stretch goals are over the next week. Um, so as a way to just to kind of continue that communication. Um, so yeah, the Road Warrior is actually the collaborative editing. He's the guy who's on the road, and he needs to edit documents while he's going. Cool. Um, so that's a good, good pick on that, that one. Um, yeah, before we go on, uh, two really cool things, I think. One, you mentioned Docker earlier on. Yeah. Um, one of the things we're doing in, in talking about deployment is we're actively working and coming to a near conclusion of the process of Dockerizing the entire thing. Interesting. So that you'll be able to run, I mean, CoLab is a swarm of microservices, really, right? Yeah. We have an LDAP server, yeah. IMAP server, SMTV, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, each of those goes into its own Docker container. So you can install them all in a single VM or you can or machine, or you can split them up one um, on each machine, you know set up um fallbacks between the different services, et cetera. And Docker is going to make that, we think, a lot easier. Um, so that's one thing we're doing that's really cool. Another really fun and cool thing that we're doing, um, well, I think it's fun and cool because it's ironic and funny, um, is in two weeks at the uh, Microsoft uh, Platinum-sponsored PlugFest event in southern Spain, we will be demoing um, MAPI, extended MAPI with Colab which is, means you'll be able to plug in native, the old crappy Outlook yeah. directly into it. No. And, just go.
0: So yeah. Outlook will, and Outlook will just what? Think it's talking to an Exchange server?
9: That's right. We're doing that Ooh. with the OpenChange people, which is why we had the lead OpenChange developer at the CoLab Summit.
0: <laughs> That's, <laughs> huge. That's huge. Yep. That's huge. Uh, being able to say, uh, I mean, the number one thing when I went into an office and talked about Zimbra, the, the first question was, what's the Outlook story? Every single time, the people yeah. that are worked into Outlook are like, I, I, I know guys that they they literally spend their entire workflow inside freaking Outlook. They're meeting hounds, and that's they have to have it. That's going to be huge, Aaron.
9: Yeah, and I mean we're we were a bit concerned because you know from the free software perspective, Zarafa was pretty much the only ones who had this, and they've dropped support for it. So we will become the only truly free software uh, group or solution out there with this. Um, and we're really happy to work with the Open Change people to make that happen. Mm. So yeah, um, and for the really big institutions, you know, they should come talk to us about um, things like boring things like data loss prevention and audit trails, which we're we're also bringing online, but mm. probably not as a, as interesting to, to your audience here. Um, but for the core, but necessary, audience, that's yes, a, yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely,
0: cool. Wow. That is really exciting. And, and audit trails, I can tell you, in industries I worked in before, that is also sometimes an essential feature and one that lacks in most uh, software packages right now, even they, even when the ones that tout their audit trail f- functionality.
9: Yeah. Tell tell us about it. Auditing, audit trails and data loss prevention means we keep an extra copy of your email somewhere on the yeah. disk. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. We got really good logs that you can go through. Uh, all right. Cool. Well, that is really exciting, and uh, Aaron, you are. Abs- I, I know it's. Uh, what what time is it where you're at right now? It's late, right? It's like eleven. Yeah,
9: it's no, it's after midnight. Okay,
0: <laughs> so you uh, you are free uh, to to leave uh, if you want to go crash, or welcome to stay with us. Uh, we're gonna uh, we're gonna get the uh, the pulse from the mumble room on their reactions to Ubuntu fifteen oh four. Uh, in In just a moment, so that 's what we 're going to shift gears and of course, uh, if you want to stick around and, and sort of just do freestyle q and a after the show, you're also welcome because i 'm sure people have lots of questions uh, I wanted though because we haven <clears> 't <throat> because of linux fest Northwest we didn 't normally dedicate time, like we would, to review uh, Ubuntu 1504 outright. And uh, so I wanted to start the process here on the show to kind of start to make up for that um, and uh, get the Mumble Rooms reaction, because I actually have limited experience with 1504 at this point. I've been using uh, Ubuntu Mate. Uh, I do have a few thoughts, and I have a few observations and some funny reactions that I've noticed in the reviews, plus 1510s coming up. But first got to thank our friends over at Ting. Go to linux.ting.com. Everybody in the chat room, you do this for me right now? I want you to try it because they got something that I think if you try, it's really going to make you think. So go to linux.ting.com right now. Head over there and I want you to try out the Ting Savings Calculator. So go over there. We'll do this while I tell you about Ting. So click the Savings Calculator. Start putting in your actual usage. Now, what is Ting? Ting is truly mobile. That makes sense. No contracts. So there's no early termination fee. You only pay for what you use. You start with the line. It's $6. So that's your flat rate right there for that line. And then they just take your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes. They add that up, whatever bucket you fall into. That's what you have to pay. So for me, it makes it very economical to have three lines. I'm paying like 30 40 bucks for a busy month because I use Wi-Fi very heavily. I do a lot of data calling, and I use Telegram. But, you know, if something sends me an automated text message, not a big deal. I don't need to buy a whole bunch of text messages for those occasional text messages. I'll just pay some tiny fraction of an amount when I get one. And Ting has an incredible dashboard that lets you manage your account really, really nice. Activate, deactivate devices, transfer them, name them, audit them. Uh, like, really cool stuff. Uh, they have, of course, all of the features you come to expect. Picture messaging, texting, voicemail, all, everything. In fact... I shouldn't say it like that. They've got way, 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 way more than you've come to expect. Like no-hold customer service. You can call them at one eight five five ting ftw Who else has got that, right? They've got hotspot and tethering. You want it, you just turn it on. You don't have to have some sort of special plan. They're not going like, to punish you. They're not going to slow you down. They're not going to say, mm, excuse me, you need a family share plan if you want tethering. No, you just go into your operating system and check the box like the way the OS vendor intended it to be. That's what's so cool about Ting. It's just data to them. If you want to use them as an ISP, Ting is Honey Badger. They don't care. In fact, they love it. They just lit up uh, their first Gigabit Fiber customer. How about that? That's pretty exciting. Yeah, Ting's getting into Gigabit Fiber. They're not going to go crazy, but they're experimenting with this right now, and uh, they uh, just launched. I guess it uh, looks like Brian Callahan, who's the owner of Rock Rockbridge Rock Guitar in Charlottesville, uh, uh, Virginia. Uh, the first to get gigabit internet fiber with Ting. Wow, that's pretty cool. Man, I'm super jelly. I'm super jelly. But you can get in on Ting's wireless plan. They've got a bunch of great devices. They're unlocked. You own them outright. You can get a $9 GSM SIM card and put it in any device that supports SIMs. Or you can get a device directly from Ting. they got everything from really great value feature phones up to the highest-end smartphones. Linux.ting.com. Go there to support this show. Linux.ting.com also gets you a $25 discount off one of those devices I just mentioned. If you have a Ting-compatible device and... You probably do because they have a huge GSM network now and a huge CDMA network. If you have one of those devices that works on those networks, that $25 will go to a service credit. That service credit will very likely pay for more than your first month. That's how great Ting is. $25 will probably pay for more than your first month. It did mine. Even if you're a super crazy talker or something, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not judging, but I'm just saying, geez, really? That's kind of ridiculous get Skype. I, no, I'm kidding. No, really. But it will <laughs> <laughs> It will seriously... Plus, they have an early termination relief program, too, if you've got a contract right now. And then it really starts adding up. Linux.ting.com and a huge thank you to TING for sponsoring the Linux Unplugged Program. Alright, so, uh, Mumble Room, anybody want to go first with their reactions? Uh, you know what, actually, I'd like to ask Wimpy, since uh, he shipped a distro based on it, and then the other people can fill in, but uh, Wimpy, if you don't mind, what are your initial reactions to the Ubuntu 1504 release, either from more of a lower end perspective, or uh, from a perspective of the user side.
4: Um, well, from my own point of view, um, I really like the 1504 release. Um, I, in some respects, I prefer it to the 1404 release, and this is really from a, an Ubuntu Mate perspective. And that's because you will have noticed that Debbie and Jesse released a few days after mm-hmm. 1504. Mm-hmm. So consequently, a lot of the work that I've been doing in Debian, which has flowed into Ubuntu, was done as part of the Debian LTS strategy. So it's kind of a shame. The one drawback of 1504 is it's only got that nine-month support window because in terms yeah. of yeah. Marte implementation, it's really solid. Yeah, that's exactly um, where I'm at right now. So it's going to be a shame to see that one mm-hmm. you know uh go away in 9 months time yeah but i think for ubuntu as a whole um, on the desktop there were some improvements in Stock too but it's really the under the covers stuff that's really um, evolved in 1504. So system D for example is one area where there's been change and then in the server side of things with things like Snappy mm-hmm. uh, and Juju and Mass there's there's been some big advancements. So I think it's actually quite uh, an important well, stepping stone uh, release to where you know, I, Canonical I wants it. to get to
0: Let me pick one thing out that you mentioned there uh, and maybe I could uh, rope Popey in here because according to the register uh, uh, everything's fine except for Ubuntu is now full of System D uh, Listen to this, the, in, the initial uh, review uh, line starts System D is here, it's arrived in Vivid, the latest just released distro of Ubuntu 1504 uh, Essentially, uh, Popey, apparently uh, Canonical has condemned us all to System D now, how are you feeling about that?
6: So the day that uh, uh, I switched from Upstart to System D was an ultimately uneventful day. I
0: I followed you on Google Plus. I remember, as
6: it should be. Yeah, and it was a package update, basically, right? Right, and I switched back the other way, and then switched forward again. And actually, in fifteen oh four, if you really, really want to, you can (laughs) you can use Upstart. You don't have to use System D. So you know, it's it's not compulsory to use System D if if you're that way inclined.
0: I did not expect the switch to happen so soon. So in terms of like full switchover, is there still some sort of like compatibility happening or like or is everything truly like system D scripts and it's all 100% done?
6: Well, the desktop is, but Ah. the phone isn't. So the phone is still using Upstart for user sessions. So that will switch probably in 1510. But there's a whole bunch of stuff that that needs to happen for that Mm. for that to you know actually work um but yeah we did it for 1504 that'll happen for 1510 no doubt Mm. also in 1504
4: upstart still used for uh x sessions as well
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah that's not too surprising i suppose uh so there is a little upstart still in there for some things but uh, it boots unbelievably fast, unbelievably. Fifteen oh four boots fast. That was one of my initial impressions. In fact, I Wimpy, you nailed it when you said I wish fifteen oh four was going to stick around longer because I like it a little bit better than fourteen oh four. I like it a lot better than fourteen oh four. Actually,
4: yeah, I do. It's it's the the system that I'm installing on all my stuff now. I've kicked the LTS thing into touch. Fifteen oh four. So are you just going to replace
0: it's, it uh, later then?
4: Uh, well, for those machines that have already got installed, just an upgrade. Um, and for those that I'm installing fresh, just going straight to
0: 1504. Hmm. Uh, anybody else in the mumber want to jump in with their impressions? Uh, Matt, if you have any impressions on 1504, I, uh, feel
7: free. You know, I'm always one of those people who tends to like, hold off until it's been out, until just to the point where the next release is, and then I'm popping into the new one. Mm-hmm. I'm still on LTSs on both my boxes. Yeah, it works for you. Yeah, it works for you. But, you know, the, but the speed thing has piqued my interest. Um, yeah. and because that,
0: that does sound appealing
7: because yeah. the, some of the machines I use, I do like to turn off and have them boot up, you know, reasonably right. quickly. So that's cool. So I you, like that.
0: So you, uh, you know what you ought to do then, Matt? You got to hang What's out, that? wait for 1510. I mean, I hate the way this happens. <laughs> I hate right? that they just yes. got out and now we're talking about 1510, but we've gotten the code code name for Ubuntu 1510. Uh, it's going to be called Willy Werewolf, which is no, really? silly. What? Wiley. <laughs> wiley. yeah i read about this wiley sorry thinking, wiley yes wiley wiley with wiley wiley. <laughs> yeah. wiley, wiley. wiley wiley was a joke i was making earlier totally unrelated and it got stuck in my head uh wiley werewolf because Wiley's supposed to be somebody who's wise and crafty right so uh yeah. yes uh, and I, I, with an october uh time frame and uh the, the scuttlebutt is um uh to focus on the desktop what does that mean poppy
6: so there's uh, the usual, you know, desktop release in fifteen ten, which will have all the usual updates, and probably I'd imagine the new kernel with uh, live kernel patching without having to reboot. That'll be nice, um, yeah. and all the usual updates, you know, Firefox, LibreOffice, and all that. But right. also uh, a few other interesting things. I feel as like well.
0: you're burying the awkward teenage lead, though, mm-hmm. and that is this is where we begin to see like the converged desktop come together right this is
6: right isn't this uh, bits of it yeah i mean there'll be the i mean we've already got the unity next iso which uh-huh. we've had for for months but then so we're going to integrate snappy into that here's in what i'm trying release. to get at
0: yeah here's what i'm trying to get at is uh i hear it's a you tell me
6: what you want to talk about well
0: cuz you're telling me nothing you're saying you're saying I'm saying it's a focus on the desktop. I'm reading it's a focus on the desktop from several news outlets. But then when I ask what's going to happen on the desktop, I hear snappy packages and I hear a live patching kernel, which are awesome, but they're not a desktop. I'm just curious. I don't care. I'm just it seems like the focus is on desktop. I'd be kind of interested to see where that direction goes because I've I've been one of these people who's really curious where Canonical is going to take it eventually. Um, and I know that it's more like the uh, 16 series before we're going to see unity eight probably be default and things like that. But
6: man, I'm just curious. So I don't know if you were listening to Mark's. I haven't. Heard, uh, no, I haven't heard that yet. Uh, well, maybe you should have. I He mentioned that. 2015 there'll be a convergence yes. device yes. Uh, yes. before the end of the year so, I, yeah, I, in fact I, have,
0: I did pull the quote I did, manage, I did manage to grab that he said I would like to announce that we're going to ship a device this year with a manufacturer that will fit in your pocket and be a phone and give you a desktop experience that PC pocket experience is real on Ubuntu so am I to interpret that as to sort of the focus on the desktop is the beginning of things to make that device possible towards later of the year
6: yeah, it kind of goes from both directions. So from the desktop, you know, moving towards yeah. Snappy and also from the phone moving towards the desktop. So, yeah, having a converged yeah. device by 1510. Yeah.
0: You know what I really wanted is I wanted you to say Ubuntu Teen Wolf is going to focus on a brand new software center. That's what I wanted you to say. Software center. That's what I wanted. Me. But I know it's not going to happen. It's OK. I got to wait till you guys are all done because then I'm sure you're going to have to write it in whatever is fancy for click. Well, no, it already exists on the, the, the
6: clicks. The click store already exists on the phone and on the new and on unity next desktop, you can open the click store yes. on the desktop. Right. right I, now see, I
0: guess so. And, and I guess the apps, apps work either way. The store. But uh, do you see, do you see that eventually becoming like a full on replacement to the software Center? So, Like all of the applications that I would get from the software center would be in there too.
6: Yep. Exactly. Oh, oh, okay. the, sna- uh, the snappy store will be oh, okay. the place where you get apps and you could install a separate Store on there as well, isn't that it have to be so? going
0: to transition store. to there. So eventually, then a Ubuntu Software Center would probably just kind of go away.
2: Yep. Yeah. Okay. My God, we needed Poppy. <laughs> Save us!
6: I, it was actually uh, funny. I looked at the change log for Software Center, and there was one change back in January this year. And then the last change to Software Center was April the previous year. So oh. yeah, Software Center hasn't had no. a huge amount of love recently. No, so, but yeah. it makes sense if you're moving to something new, I guess. Exactly. Uh, so any uh, any other thoughts on fifteen oh four before we wrap up? I I'm, I'm- so the, the the weird thing for me is I've been running fifteen oh four for months. Sure, yeah. Because yeah. you know I upgrade early yeah. and I'm running it on my, as my daily machine. So uh, whenever on release day, I'm like, all right, yeah, everyone else is catching up.
0: Yeah, I I know. Because I, I, when I'm usually going to do a review, I, I try to run it for quite a while before the review. So sometimes I'll start sort of late beta RC st- just to kind of start to get a feel for it. And so it kind of does take away a little bit of the, the excitement on release day. It's like, yeah, okay. I, I, what release day usually means for me is I get a few more package updates. <laughs> That's usually what release day means. But uh, overall, it seems to be uh, reviewed pretty well. That register piece I think was a bit tongue-in-cheek about the system stuff because it's really been a, a, a non-story. Uh, and it seems to be a pretty positive reaction overall. The meta review would be, it's good. Not too many changes, but it's still good. And I think that's not a bad place to be. It's uh, actually
8: a cool feature that the upstart sy- syntax still works. And when you activate it, it kind of sends a script through SystemD.
5: Neat.
0: Corky, you wanted to give uh, Kubuntu
5: some airtime? Um, I'm not a user, but I've been using Plasma 5 recently on yeah. Arch. And uh, I, isn't it? 1504 is the first to do Default Plasma 5 And yes, uh, from initial reviews It's just fantastic For a first time Default great. desktop environment That
0: is great I have also been playing with Plasma 5.3 Over the weekend I found it to be a little buggy but nice And I I've, have,
6: I've only seen good feedback about Plasma 5 In 1504
0: So here's the – so I'm using 5.3, but I'm doing it under a high DPI display, which makes it a little trickier because KDE doesn't quite – so what you do is you go scale up your icons and you go scale up the the, the text DPI, and you go tweak tweak about four or five spots in KDE, and it's actually pretty darn nice on high DPI. And the breeze theme uh, with plasma uh, and the breeze icons and all of that stuff look really sharp. It looks really, the Plasma desktop, I think 5, now they're shipping 5.2 in Kubuntu 15.04. Um, It's a really good release. I think 5.3 maybe slightly buggier, but also 5.3 introduces a lot of nice new features for laptops. So it's kind of, and the new media center uh, demos in there. So, yeah, you're right. Kubuntu uh, 15.04 is a fantastic release. And if you've been looking for a a well-implemented Plasma desktop, sounds like that could be a really good one and if you're on arch 53 recently hit the repos and it's really nice i i i only reason <laughs> only reason i went back to gnome is i started having sound problems again and what happens is and under 53 is it's after like uh i get like a notification on the desktop i i get another notification immediately after that saying i have changed the sound device to intel hdmi out <laughs> would you like to revert and i have to click revert and then it goes back to my uh intel uh intel standard, H whatever it is, HD audio, whatever it is. And then it happens in a few minutes later. So I just, I, I, I between that and a few other things, I just went back to GNOME. But it's really, really good. WW, you had something you wanted to add on Plasma.
3: Yeah, I had nothing but issues with uh, Plasma 5.2 on oh, okay. my Intel laptop with NVIDIA. Once I went from the Novu driver to a NVIDIA driver, I've had like I need to track down this issue or see if others are having it. uh, I went to like rebooting after two minutes after I hit the after I hit reboot on the menu, it would just finally pop up and it's so I eventually went Plasma five point three with the backports and that works out um, way better for me on too. I I still think there's some things that need to be polished out though.
0: We had a meetup. Back in October, it was a while ago, where uh, producer Eric and I met up with some folks from the KDE Project in Seattle. And they uh, said, yeah, you know, we're really excited about Plasma 5, but the one that we think is going to be ready for everybody is Plasma 5.3. When Plasma 5.3 ships, start telling your listeners to install it because we think that's going to be the one. We'll have a lot of our art stuff done in that one uh, and all this kind of stuff. And I got to say, it's very nice. It, uh it feels, uh, it has right now, uh, this might seem a little brutal, but I had the sensation that it feels like a race car, like a really high-end race car, kit car, it's really powerful, crazy fast, the best compositor, like, I don't know what it is, guys, but even when I'm typing in frickin' console, the way the text appears in the console feels slicker than the way it does under Gnome Terminal, and I can't even, like, I, I, I tried it, and then I logged out and went to Gnome Terminal, I brought it, I'm like, what are they doing differently, and for some reason, it feels smoother under kd like it is a slick fast smooth experience that every now and then completely falls apart on me like i I probably had the plasma desktop crash on me six or seven times uh and most of the times it's whenever i'm missing messing around with widgets but i don't even have to be trying a widget like if i can just right click on the desktop unlock widgets add widget scroll through the widget list close it plasma crashes Oh, okay. Like that kind of stuff. Like and I'll give it this, it re- it bounces right back. Like it restarts and everything. Like nothing I don't lose anything. Like it's not really any big consequence. It's just annoying. Or my sound constantly changing is annoying. And I feel like it's just a little a little rough still, but if you are the type of person who likes that kind of experience, that sort of sports car kit experience, uh it is great. It is in a good spot right now and it's and 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 it's looking better than ever too, which is I'm really pleased with. So, yeah, there's very there quirky. There's your Kubuntu airtime. Uh, I don't talk about it a lot because I don't use it, but I did happen to run Plasma over the weekend, and and I walked away with those observations. All right, guys, I think we're all done. I think we had a lot to cover. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, if you'd like, we're going to do a little post show in just a bit. You can stick around and uh, chat with us. Thank you very much, sir. And uh, we'd love to have you join us out there live. I mean you, listener you. Join our virtual lug just go over to jblive.tv. We do this show uh, on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific. You can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com calendar to get that converted over to your local time. And then you can hang out in our chat room or our mumble room and uh, talk with us as we do the show. Matt, is there anything you want to plug or mention before we get out of here today?
7: Uh, nothing too pressing, however, if you want to keep up with the latest stuff that we have going, including How to Linux, which I receive emails on a daily basis about, yeah. um, you can uh, check me out at cool. mattheartley.com and you can hit me up with the contacts. You can subscribe to the email alerts, which will tell you when things like How to Linux uh, come out. So, yeah, yeah check Matt that Hartley.
0: out. I'm excited to, to hear that people are uh, pumped about How to Linux. Oh,
7: you you, you should see my inbox. <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh,
0: don't great. forget, yeah. you can fill our inbox too. Go to slash contact, choose Linux unplugged from the drop down, or maybe even better, Join our subreddit, linuxactionshow.reddit.com. Makes this show better. Community feedback, stories, topics, votes, all that stuff is great. I'd love to see you live, jblive.tv. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. See you right back here next Tuesday. Tuesday. business to take care of before we get out of here jbtitles.com everybody go over there and vote or you can still bang suggest you still have probably a chance to get your title in too Hmm, aaron it's good to catch up with you i don't think we've talked since you joined colab
9: no i don't think we have
0: and uh i I, when i saw that move i thought oh that's a good one that's a good place to go and man the, the timing and all of that it was that was crazy we couldn't have worked out a little bit better
9: yeah no and it's uh i mean there's so much to be done in this space and yeah i, I know so many of the people involved with it already it was a pretty easy transition and yeah lots to keep me busy and excited so <laughs> uh
0: blame the chat room is our third position title right now titles bangsuggest.com everybody bo. um
6: so aaron you mentioned um open clients for colab i i haven't looked at colab i'm very sorry um You mentioned there's clients on multiple platforms. Are you talking about like third-party clients or are they first-party clients that you guys have developed?
9: They're second-party clients. I don't know what that would mean. But, um, yeah, no, we've got um, Contact, Mm. which we uh, actually do enterprise support for on Windows as well as Linux. Um, On Mac, we rely on um, Apple's own... Um, apps just because they work really well and from our feedback that's what mac people prefer to use so we support web dev web cal, or dev, um, cal dev, blah 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 and all of that stuff is supported um, as first class citizens in the mac world and then on okay, the mobile sorry. on the mobile sorry. side it's mostly active sync um with on um, yeah well some platforms Anyways, we do recommend on Android using things like DabDroid because um, that gives a slightly more privacy-respecting experience.
6: So it's mostly the whatever app the user is familiar with already, or whatever app ships with the platform already, can connect, and you provide instructions for connecting to your backend, right?
9: Um, yeah, with the exception of Contact on Windows and Linux.
6: And what what's used on Android? Active Sync on Android.
9: So on Android, we, our recommended mix is um, DavDroid plus Canine Mail. And that gives you access to everything, your contacts, your calendars, uh, your email, et cetera. Um, but if you don't go that route or you can't go that route for some reason, um, or you yeah, just want to stick with what Android comes with, then ActiveSync also works just fine. Mm. I have devices where I have one or the other, so I've tried both, and hmm. yeah, they work.
2: Hmm. I just think it's cool. Thank you. No, no, okay. you don't seem like you're going to break it any second.
0: Okay, good. Because i I feel like I feel like maybe my blood pressure is high right now, and I I left my watch upstairs, so I can't take my heart rate. But I just I tell you, I I I have, I, I literally have an A and B comparison now. I know. So here's what I wanna here's what I want to admit to right up front before I go any further into this discussion. This only applies to me. And because of my use case scenario where I'm in front of these two computers for a, an extended period of time every single day except for Saturdays, um, I, I just think maybe this only applies to me. Okay? I don't even know if it applies to anybody else in the entire freaking universe. I'm so special. But here, because I'm such a special unicorn, here is what I have observed. The stable releases of Linux, their updates break everything just as much as my rolling re- – no, way more. Way more. And you know what? I'm not even going to like couch it. The, the rolling release breaks way less than the Ubuntu 14.04. And here's what happens. About once a month, I install updates. Now, I, I cannot recall how long this has been on Ubuntu 14.04, but it's, it's, we're going on like six months probably, a little more. Here's what I have observed. About once a month, I install updates. And if you have watched the JBLive.tv stream and we're not live, you may have noticed we no longer have videos playing. We instead are rebroadcasting our audio stream. Why, you might ask? Because an update to Ubuntu 14.04 broke our capability to play video and sane stereo MP3 audio over the HDMI interface, and we can no longer do that because an update on Ubuntu 14.04 broke that. So now our live stream just is a replay of our audio stream. And now t- today, I did I did an update yesterday, I noticed today all of the audio interface, one of the audio interfaces fails to even show up. I had to completely power cycle the machine, unplug the device, pl- power cycle the machine back up, plug the USB device in. And then, of course, I had to go back in and choose all of my audio inputs, readjust all of their levels, and all I did was install updates. The last time I did this, we lost an audio device. The time before that, our video driver got messed up, and it's an Intel video card! Then... Almost on a day-by-day basis, maybe about once a week when I'm busy, I update the Arch box running on my System76 Bonobo. One is an Intel NUC, one is a System76 Bonobo. Both make great Linux machines. It's not a hardware thing, okay? You can take hardware out of this because it's about as vanilla as it gets. The Bonobo running Arch, getting updates on a rolling release, never fails. I cannot do a show without this bonobo. It it drives all of the visuals. It drives all of the sounds. I can't show a story in a video without this bonobo. It is literally one of the most, besides the machine that actually records the video, it is the most important machine in the studio. And it runs Arch Linux rolling. And it breaks the least. The Ubuntu machines and the Macs break more than the Archbox does. And I'm not doing anything special. So I don't get why everybody always gets on my case about how awful rolling is, when in my experience here, I tell you, the systems that are supposed to be long-term support seem to break just as much as, or more, and I'm saying just as much because honestly I think everybody's going to attack me, but I think they break even more, but I'll say they break just as well as the rolling release machines do. So... (sighs) What I do not understand is the constant, like, dogpiling when I go out there and say, actually, I don't think rolling's all that bad. Or, like, when I wanted to switch Angela to, to, a, to a machine and it was going to be rolling, the dog pile oh, don't do rolling, don't do rolling, everything's all right. Well... Actually, my rolling machines break less than my stable machines. So how do you guys explain this total dichotomy that I seem to be witnessing? I apparently have like jumped through a, 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 a portal, and I am now a slider in an alternative version of Earth where rolling releases are more stable and long-term supports are more disastrous, and yet nobody else is in the same universe with me. I'm over there all by myself.
2: Nah, it's always like that, Chris. Because, you know, the rolling release... Distros have more practice in terms of software updates, so they can do it a lot more. Or they found all the problems already. The ones that do it every once in a while, like Ubuntu, they tend to just, you know, run into problems or override config files or corner cases that no one cares about. Rowing has a lot more practice with updating packages all the time.
0: That seems pretty reasonable. That seems like a reasonable explanation as to why...
2: And, you know, I always do rolling nowadays. Slackware is, like, where everything should be just, you know.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, here was my theory, heavens, and this is what I wanted to bounce off you. What if software has gotten better? And so it's now not as hazardous to go to the next version as it used to be. Is that possible? Like, like Linux version 2 was a completely different beast than Linux version 4 is now. And, you know, it's a much more mature product now. And so is the NVIDIA driver. And so is GNOME 3, much, much more mature, right? So is Chrome and Firefox and GTK and all of these things in the stack now are just much more mature products.
2: Yeah, but they also when you do coding, right, you usually kind of have a, a backwards compatibility thing with your previous version. So if a version is only increasing or incrementing by one major version each time as a rolling distro versus Ubuntu's maybe skipping two or three versions at a time. They don't have the backwards compatibility or at least corner the code in order to say, oh, yeah, last release, we done this. We got to change the data structure this way.
0: Okay, so here's the other thing that kind of I don't get about the... Now, I know... I think I eventually did get my kernel updated here, so let me double-check real quick. So I'll do a uname here.
2: Uh, I'm not an RPM fan at all.
0: Okay, uh. no, never mind. So even though I've done a dist upgrade, so I'm on Ubuntu 14.04 and it ships with kernel 3.13.0. Now I think there is a way to update that, but I've, I mean, I'm in Ubuntu Mate. I've done all the, I've done apt-get update. I've done dist upgrades. I'm on kernel 3.13. Now, this is generally considered not like the best kernel of the 3 series, right? This is considered one of the work, worser kernels in terms of performance and other things like that. So it's interesting that they chose this dish. Now, maybe they've patched it in some way I'm not aware of. But that, uh, when they did that choice, I was like, huh, it seems like yeah, maybe they had an off release and they just happened to land on a bad kernel. And then 1504 comes out and the kernel they ship with it has that ButterFS problem that I ran into. Like they shipped it with the version that still has the ButterFS lockup issue. And, I, 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 and again, I'm like... Well, I, what are they doing? Like, aren't they supposed to be curating the best kernel? Like, they they picked a bad kernel. Like, if I if I was rolling my own distro, I never would have shipped that kernel. And maybe again, maybe they fixed it, maybe they patched it. I don't know. But every time I see this, I go, huh? Oh, this seems like seems like they're supposed to be doing a really good choice here. And It seems like they've almost just thrown a dart on the board on the current kernel. Like, well, we're going to release around this time, so boom, we'll go with that kernel. And they just that's all they that's all the thought that goes into it not like well this kernel's known to have issues with lots of butterfs instances where you can't mount the root file system like you know like that didn't that didn't seem to be like maybe a major issue and oh yeah by the way it only seems to hit like after three to five weeks of being used so uh <laughs> we'll have a whole bunch of people fifteen oh four that all of a sudden hit this like that was not part of the discussion apparently or maybe it was and they fixed it but it was never noted i i don't know so uh, again with rolling this is an issue I don't run into. It just if it, it, like I had that kernel, and then it pretty quickly gets replaced with the next kernel. Um, but now here on this, uh, on this Matei box, I'm on kernel 3.13 still,
2: which is I've a clunker. I've got a, mate inst- I mean, a Linux Mint install for a friend of mine, and their little ker- Linux kernel version manager is, a, I guess, the best thing you can get close to that. But if I ever, ever run Ubuntu, I always use the daily builds of the kernels from their like, FTP server. Just the actual daily current builds of current kernels. I never use what's in Ubuntu's repositories. <laughs> ever.
0: <laughs> really? I don't know, that seems like you're really? asking
2: for it, but I don't know. Well, I run completely their daily .deb files. Screw running the kernels that they put on the You repos. do
0: daily? You do a daily
2: kernel? Yeah, they build kernels daily on their so I can find a link for you. I just you know why that. do you
0: want a daily kernel though?
2: Oh it's always the best of the best. Alright. Bugs okay. that yeah. were yesterday Might aren't well. a bug now.
0: Uh no I'm not in a bad mood. I just uh I what I what I'm trying to um put together in my head is what, what what appears to be my practical experience. Um and you know, it's not just like these two machines either. I've got uh here in the studio, we have um one, two Three, four computers that are running Arch. Uh, Well, I guess, yeah, I'm counting. uh, I guess let's just count one of the VMs right now. So we're just really using one of them heavily. Uh, And that's, you know, and then I have at my house two machines running Arch. And then I have a DigitalOcean droplet running Arch. And I have another DigitalOcean droplet running Arch that just runs Minecraft. Doesn't really do anything. Uh, And all of these, I sort of, none of them are updated at any of the same intervals. Some of them are updated very frequently. Some of them are updated, like, once every three months, maybe, um, like the VMs. And none of them exhibit issues like this. And I'm not, like, doing anything all that savvy, really. I'm just doing the updates, and I'm watching if there's an error, which, in fact, there's so infrequently errors that I have to be mindful about watching for it, because, you know, it is that one time you relax that it will make a mistake, and you can check the news, you can check the forms. And I just... <clears throat> So here is what, here's my point because I'm rambling. My point is, in my experience, it really does not seem to be one is more dangerous than the other. It, they both seem to need equal amounts of lots of love and attention when you're doing updates. And I feel like there is um, a little bit of techno fear in the community about rolling. I think people are inherently a little scared of software. And I think also those, these are the same people who also sort of revere software developers as sort of unique creators – that are sort of a step above everybody else and not just people who have a talent in a specific area. I think it kind of plays into that same kind of culture, and that culture also bothers me because I think it sort of creates like these egos that don't need to exist. Anyways, I'm, again, rambling. I think all of these things come together where it feels like I'm pushing up against something that is a bit of a bias. Uh, And it's not like it's really – it's a first world bias. It's not like it's that important, but it bothers me. I feel like it's not an injustice, but um, uh, close to it. And so I, I feel like I should be rallied to the cause to defend uh, a truth out there that people are ignoring. I don't know why I feel that way about this particular matter, but uh, I do. And I think part of the reason is is because I was, I was 100% on the other end of the spectrum at one point. Uh, I was the Enterprise Linux guy. I was Seuss Enterprise Linux guy and Red Hat Enterprise Linux guy. I tried Gen 2 for a while, and I thought it was amazing, and I like swung way, way back to Enterprise, and I did FreeBSD, and I did the Enterprise distros for a little while, and then I went to Ubuntu, and you guys know the arc of that in the show. I was very much an Ubuntu guy on the show. I, I very very, hand, very readily, handily dismissed Arch, and it's been a transition for me. And now I'm at the other end of the transition, and I'm looking back, and I'm going, okay, I, th- I think I made a mistake, and I think I'm seeing the same mistake other people are making, and I'm not trying to preach some sort of gospel, but I'm just trying to open up the way people look at software. Because if you're into Linux and you're into this kind of stuff, it's very satisfying and it's very fun to, to watch. And I, I don't think it deserves sort of the constant criticism it seems to receive. And I'm a little uh, ashamed that my show has become one of the platforms to perpetuate that criticism. Uh, that I I think there is a space to criticize. I think it's totally worth criticizing because there are risks because new software inherently can have regressions or flaws. So there's totally a space for debate about it. I'm not trying to say there isn't. But at the same time, I don't think we should shame software just because it's rolling. And I kind of regret that that's the direction the conversation went now that I think about it when it came to regards to Angela's computer. Um,
2: there is a direct analogy to news feeds or news that evolves throughout time after a news story breaks. it evolves and changes and it gets more clear. That's exactly how a rolling update distro is like mm. you sub- or what is it? you subscribe to the news feed, but the news feed is just packages. you get the newest news every day and you're up to date and you're not left behind in the dust
0: That's very interesting that is a very interesting analogy you're right it's almost like. Uh, a, a, a newspaper is a capture of the headlines in the state when they're sort of new and fresh. But online news, and especially like what we do here in this show, oh, is really speeds. yeah. It's like a, we collect and it's an, it's a, like it's a it's a longer analysis after some time has evolved. And it's you're right. It's more uh, the story is more clear. Uh, the, it, that is very interesting, I and mean, that's sort of like what it is, right? In in a, in a weird way, in software it becomes better, and 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 what the what the software developers are going for becomes more refined. Hmm.
2: Yeah, they don't have much time to hide bad problems or let's say oopsies that they make they have to live up and be accountable for what they do that's what I like
3: being daily or as up to date as I possibly can